I find that the one piece that overlaps all of them is you have to push out your strengths. And, and here's the thing that everybody gets wrong, disability or not. Pushing out your strengths is like a resume is a minuscule piece of the process. You are not a bullet point or a date of employment. You have to actually tell your story in audio, in video, in clips, in LinkedIn articles. Like that's your active hustle. Like as far as I know, your resume is not searchable. You can upload it. You can put it on your featured section, whatever. But I don't believe once it's embedded, you, somebody can actually find it. However, if you put out one piece of content, when there's 600 million plus people on LinkedIn, they can find your content and your profile by keywords. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we explore the hidden side of modern work, help you turn procrastination into job search motivation, and teach you how to stress less, earn more, and change careers with confidence. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Jacob Levy to the podcast. Jacob teaches job seekers and small business owners with disabilities how to identify opportunities outside of their network by creating content optimized for the LinkedIn algorithm. His goal is to help those with invisible disabilities to leverage their subject matter expertise in order to find and bring value to the decision makers behind jobs around the world. Today, we talk about how to figure out what kinds of content you should create, how to avoid burnout while putting yourself out there, and what playing the game really looks like in practice. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes to feed the algorithm and share these conversations with more folks like you. Now sit back, relax, and listen in to our convo with Jacob. Jacob, uh, you know, as we kick things off here, um, you and I have both worked with with a client, uh, and I've only heard amazing things about you. And uh, one of the things that I think is just so exciting is how you found your niche. Um, so I was wondering if you could maybe, we talked a little bit before the show, but maybe give me a little bit of the background of like how you got into coaching and why you work with folks with disabilities and what what kind of drew you to that area of the coaching world? For sure. Great question. Um, so yeah, I got into the coaching world as a job seeker myself. Um, definitely, I got laid off um, way back in the day. I was struggling, you know, just applying to jobs left and right. Um, and I was doing some side hustles. I was doing content creation and video editing. Um, and I started actually, a gentleman reached out to me that was a career coach and needed help with his content creation. So I started helping him just like editing videos, things like that. Um, and I basically through editing videos, I learned his process as a career coach because I was just editing his content all day long. Um, and so I learned his process and in the process, um, he helped me find a job through his eight step process. Um, and, and it worked and it was amazing. And I really enjoyed the process. Um, and after that, uh, he basically offered if I wanted to work for him, um, like show me the ropes, like as a career coach, I basically saw everything already. Um, and that's kind of how I got into it. And I, there was a t like, it, it was seamless, the transferable skills, because I was already an educator. Um, 
you know, I was working as a special education teacher, or that was my background, uh, but I wanted to pivot into IT. Um, and there were a ton of transferable skills, just uh, they, like as an analyst, they're looking for people that can facilitate information. You don't necessarily need a technical degree. Teachers definitely fit the mold of like facilitating information. So that's how I, I found that opportunity. Um, and then what was your second question? Um, so, and, and I think it kind of stems from your education work, but um, we were talking before the call about how you sort of picked your, your niche in the coaching world. And, and one, what is the, when working with folks who have disabilities, well, first let's, let's lay out some of the disabilities that, that you work with. Um, and then what are these sort of different approaches that they need to take to the job search in order to stand out and be seen? For sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm working with a range of disabilities. Um, the past two clients have been on the autism spectrum, um, ranging from, now the terms I'm gonna use here, I'm sure I'll get plenty of flack because the the nomenclature has, is always being updated. Mm -hmm. You know, disabled, disability, cognitively impaired, There's there are a ton of them. Um, so I'm just gonna pick one. <laughs> um, so I've worked with people on the spectrum, um, Asperger's, high-functioning autism, learning disabilities, ADHD. Um, that's, so that's who I've worked with so far. Um, and what's really interesting is like a lot of them are invisible disabilities. You know, it's not like working with a person in a wheelchair, which is a whole different, different set of challenges indeed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing when I'm helping job seekers with disabilities is to understand one, how they learn. Metacognition, I think is super important. Everybody is a different type of learner. Um, some are auditory, they have to hear it. Some are visual, they have to see it. Some are tactile, kinesthetic. They have to physically grasp something. Um, so everybody learns differently. It's, it's like typical and atypical development. Mm -hmm. Everybody learns differently. Uh, but with people with disabilities, um just like touching on my own experience i think like that's what i try and do first i don't even start with what are you interested in you know job titles industries i just try and understand them as a person and how they function like day to day they can I, it's mostly listening i want to hear like what are your struggles what have you been struggling with tell me about your past you know employment history um what excites you? That's huge. Because if somebody starts just, you know, if it becomes like a, all it is is like a grieving process, then, you know, it's a roller coaster for sure, like looking for a job. But I want to, you know, I, I want to try and like, I mean, you know, you're not just a career coach, you're a therapist, basically. Well, I'm not, I'm not a therapist, but I play on a No, not, but, not, yeah, not by no, profession, but, right, but there's but a lot of that, therapy. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. You're not a therapist and you don't play one on TV, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, but there, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of therapy involved, um, like techniques of therapy involved 100%. in career coaching. So um, yeah, I mean, so the range of disabilities that I've been working with, um, I find that the one piece that overlaps all of them is you have to push out your strengths 
And, and here's the thing that everybody gets wrong, disability or not. Pushing out your strengths is like a resume is a minuscule piece of the process. Um, you are not a bullet point or a date of employment. You have to actually tell your story in audio, in video, in clips, in LinkedIn articles. Like that's your active hustle. Your resume is not, um, like as far as I know, your resume is not searchable, right? Um, you can upload it, you can put it on your featured section, whatever, but I don't believe once it's embedded, you, somebody can actually find it. Um, they can't type something in and your resume pops up. Oh no, definitely not. Right. However, if you put out one piece of content when there's 600 million plus people on LinkedIn, they can find your content and your profile by keywords. Keywords, in my opinion, rule the platform. So if you if you're not in, if you're not if you're not quote unquote playing the game, you're not going to be found. It's you really gotta interesting. you have to push out content. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's you know I come from the marketing uh, world and so content is king, right? And you know um, there's the and Gary Van and Queen and then there's the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world and everyone every company should be a you know a media company first and then whatever you do second, right? And so, you know, we encourage folks to do this. We encourage people to network. We encourage them to make content. We, I, I encourage people to create freelancer brands for themselves so that rather than going from employed to unemployed, they go from employed to self-employed. But there's a lot of resistance just in the general, you know, career coaching space and job seeker space from, from folks um, to creating content. Like it's cringy. I don't want to. I don't want to sound stupid. I don't want to, you know, put something out there and, and then get flack. Um, even yesterday, like I posted some poll about remote work. And one of the comments was like, how many times is this poll going to get posted? Like, what's even the purpose of this? And I was like, I don't know, to test out the poll feature. Like I used to be that person who was like super anxious and terrified of making content. And it's taken years and years and years to get to a point where you know, I can do something like this and be super comfortable, but there's a lot of success that happens even before you get to a place of comfort, I think. But what sort of pushback do you see, you know, if, if the typical average job seeker doesn't like to make content, someone who's, you know, dealing with uh, different disabilities, especially invisible disabilities, what are the difficulties and the pushback that you see when, when working with folks, um, what, what sort of things go through their head as they try to put themselves out there like that? Great question. Um, and a lot of it is just um, self-esteem, right? Because if you think about it, um, everything they've been doing up until this point, they're not getting results. Mm -hmm. So why would you want to try what a complete stranger is suggesting? You know, um, to touch on your, your poll comment, I absolutely agree. Um, people lash out, right? They're like, why are we doing this? It's so silly. Um, and it just reminded me of like, from a special education perspective, um, all challenging behavior is a form of communication. So people get pissed because they're, um, they have challenging behavior. They're trying to communicate something. Obviously they're frustrated. This hasn't worked. I need help. It's a call for help. Mm -hmm. Right. It's all communication, especially on LinkedIn because you're on the internet. Right. Right. You're going to get plenty of 
I get such colorful things in my inbox. <laughs> Unbelievable. I get, I got a date request. I, get, I mean, I've gotten. Oh, I've had really weird, weird stuff. Yeah. Some weird yeah. stuff. Even in like but reviews. Like... One of the reviews I got on one of the websites that I coach on is like a little bit too much. I was like, um, if someone wants to go find it, have fun finding it. But oh my goodness. I remember I got that review and I was like, I can't, I don't know how to take that down. It's on a website I don't own. <laughs> it's just like out there. Yeah, it's it's on the internet. Um, mm -hmm. Well, yeah, in terms of, to get back to your question, what you're saying about helping job seekers with disabilities, um, I think getting visible is something a lot of people don't understand. Mm -hmm. Visibility is so important. Um, and and I go back to the the idea of a resume. In my opinion, a resume doesn't make you visible because once you click submit, it's like this game of offense and defense. When you click submit, now you're on defense because now you're playing the waiting game, right? And in my opinion, the waiting game is what causes that stress and anxiety. Yeah. It's like dating, right? You're waiting for that text back, that call back after the first date. You never get it. I mean, hopefully you do, but you, you know what? It, it creates that anxiety. So instead of that, I suggest to go on offense. Offense is being proactive, pushing out content that supports your expertise. Because um, when you do, you're, you are um, inevitably putting in those keywords based on your expertise. And uh, hiring managers are searching for those keywords. They don't know your first and last name. Why would they? They don't have your resume. So they're searching for like graphic designer Chicago, you know, ITIL certification, blah, blah, blah. And what happens is if those keywords are in your posts or in your profile, you will pop up in their search, but you have to like treat it like going to the gym. You can't do it once a week and expect results. You got to create a rhythm. I really love that because, you know, it really does work. I mean, you told your story of how you got into coaching similar for me. I, I was doing a marketing podcast um, and I was just putting myself out there. It was a big expense. I wasn't getting paid for it, right? It was a side hustle. It was a thing I was doing with a friend. And then that led to the connections that led to a new job in the education industry, which led to my coaching career. And so it's so fascinating how these things, we don't even know where they'll take us when you start putting yourself out there like that. And the anxiety is high, like super high, especially if you're an anxious person like I am. It's, it's tough to jump that hurdle. And you know, I used to belabor podcasts or uh, belabor a, a blog post that would, it would take me days or weeks to write it. And then I would sometimes not even post it because I was too terrified. And, and then you got to find the right thing for you, right? So just free form conversation works way better for me than writing something long form because I overanalyze it when I write it. And I think that that's one of the things leaning into what you said before of the different learning styles. There's also different creation styles, right? Not everyone should be a blogger. Not everyone should create a podcast. Not everyone should be on video. But there is some form of content creation that works for you, whether it's images or writing or speaking or audio, video, et cetera. What are the different ways that people can create content in your mind? Oh, man. Um, I mean, just like you mentioned, um, I think one way is like find a way that you're comfortable and then repurpose it, right? So if you're great on video, awesome. Uh, do subtitles, there's free apps where you can literally transcribe it and then it will take the audio and 
turn it into a PDF, right? There's a million ways you can transcribe, but like find your forte, find what you're super comfortable with and you can rinse and repeat it. Um, and content is like, people get so boggled by the idea of content. You are not reinventing the wheel. You are repurposing the wheel. Um, if you're a project manager, I, I recently told a, a PM, um, he's like, I don't know what to post. I was like, well, I was recently in the IT world. Why don't you talk about, do a 60 second clip on the advantages and disadvantages of agile versus waterfall methodology. That's a massive topic, global topic um, that I'm sure plenty of people weigh in on. Um, and the whole idea is like, you want people to engage on your post. When people like, comment or share, specifically comment, um, your profile spreads like a wildfire. And the cool thing about engaging is if you engage, this is another problem with job seekers, they just apply, right? That's not a good strategy. You want to, now I always caveat pretty much every single thing I tell a yeah. job seeker, because if you're employed, you don't necessarily want to comment, say, hey, this job looks interesting because your whole network will see it. So instead, I, you, you should add your value to the post, right? So instead of saying, hey, this job looks interesting, I would say, hey, I was doing some research on your company and I noticed your stock rose 17% due to new AI technology. How do I know that? Google, right? Just simple things where you're, you got to give before you can take. Mm -hmm. You got to give more before you ask for anything. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm trying to show job seekers. Um, if you just click submit, you're going to be in a, a sea of millions. You yeah, have that. to give, to, you got to feed the beast. You got to give to the platform first. It's, I mean, and that's a, if people want to learn a little bit more about that, definitely read give and take by Adam Grant. Um, there's, there's so much in what you just said. And I think people get bogged down because they think like, I need to sound good. I need to be an expert. I need to, um, you know, show up in a certain way. And, and then I need to get clicks and I need to get likes and I need to get con like there, you know, I mean, I've been making content for gosh knows how many years and sometimes it gets great engagement and sometimes crickets. Right. And I think that getting comfortable with the crickets is a really important thing to go into it with because a lot of times, and this is similar with the job search, people are saying like, well, I applied to the job and I didn't hear back. And, you know, we all know that job boards have like a one to 5% response rate, right? So it's like, right. it's like, I've applied to 100 jobs, and I've only heard back from one. And I have to go, yeah, that's pretty normal. It's like, oh, I posted, a, I reached out to a bunch of people and only one got back to me. Yep, that's pretty normal. I posted things every single week for the last three months, and I've gotten like no traction with it. Again, all pretty normal. But it's the process of doing it that gives you stories to tell in interviews, connects you with people that you otherwise wouldn't have connected with. And if you're too terrified to write your own blog post, maybe just comment, thank you for writing this blog post on someone else's comment, right? If you, one of the things I've been encouraging people who are really scared to do is to go to Medium, find articles that have a lot of engagement that you like, and then go back to that person's LinkedIn profile and you will almost guaranteed find that Medium article shared with zero comments on it. And if you comment, that person will see it. And then you can have a conversation about that topic that you actually are interested in. Um, one of the things that I think is so interesting in everything you're saying here is 
you mentioned this phrase of invisible disabilities. And then you talk about making people visible. And I love that, you know, back and forth there, right? So you have invisible disabilities, but we want to showcase your visible strengths, right? And so what do you think people should be thinking about when they put themselves out there in this way? What are the things they should be considering? Maybe the, um, the, the perspective they should take, should they be, who should they be thinking about when creating this content? What, what sort of goal should they have? Um, well, first and foremost, they should be focused on themselves. They shouldn't be focused on, um, look at your ability, not your disability, right? Um, I have this quote that I like created over the past 18 months because it just resonated with me. Um, a disability is not an inability to do something. Hmm. Rather, I see it as a way to, an opportunity to go a separate path and arrive at a solution. And it's on this path where novel and innovative ideas exist. So what do I mean by that? Um, you mentioned like people are timid and you know they, they get so pissed off with like they fail or they don't get the job or whatever. You gotta get comfortable with failure. You have to understand that it's just a part of, it's an ingredient in success. You, you, it's, just, it's, just part of, it's just part of it. You just have to like acknowledge that it's okay to fail. It is totally okay to fail. Um, and you mentioned also about content. Um, it's, it's a marathon, it's not a race, right? You've been in it for many years, right? Posting content, um, but you see results. The more you do it, who cares if you, it, the comments and likes, I see them as vanity metrics because I'm running the long game, not just the race. Um, but in terms of disability, uh, I got very candid, like right at the beginning of the pandemic, I created a video about my disability, um, but I, it wasn't depressing or anything. I, I added pop culture into it. So I added little video clips of popular movies. Um, basically saying like, I was, you know, I'm, I'm looking for job seekers with disabilities. I want to highlight them, blah, blah, blah. And in the course of a day, um, a company doing the same thing in the United Kingdom, helping college students with disabilities find work, reached out to me just from a single video on the other side of the world. And how do they do that? They're not connected to me. I believe it was because the body of my post had those keywords. Right. It didn't have hashtags, zero hashtags. It was just the keywords. They were searching for keywords. Mm -hmm. So my point is, um, you, if you don't put yourself out there, if you're not vulnerable, right, that's hard too. I'm not saying like you have to be vulnerable, but you have to push out your value. You must push out disability or not. I mean, especially job seekers with disabilities. Okay. You don't have to talk about your disability. But if you don't talk about anything, then, you know, you can't expect results if you don't take action. And I think that's, that's really where people get stuck, right? It's, well, how do I talk about certain things and not other things, right? How do I put myself out there with my disability, but maybe not talk specifically or focus specifically on that, right? Like you see the YouTube channels that are about autism and they talk all about their autism, right? And that's super helpful. And it's great that they're putting themselves out there. Um, 
but there's, you know, tons of people who are creating content that never talk about their anxiety or their disability or anything like that. They just focus on the work, right? And what's nice to know is that there's a million ways to make it work, right? There's no one right solution. There's no one right way to do it. Of course, there's best practices, but there's also this um, something that I've struggled with too, uh, is the, the, when you start making content and you start putting it out there, it almost becomes a little bit confusing uh, whether or not you're going to become a content creator and try and get like, you know, the, the vanity metrics and maybe even advertisers on your videos and all those things. And then, or, or are you using the content in service of a different goal? Right. And this is why I think like keeping the goals in mind is so important when starting to create content, right? You could create a podcast in order to sort of connect with people and put your ideas out there and maybe even like market your business a bit, or you can try and like build a giant podcast that makes revenue on its own. Right. And sometimes there's people that make both happen. Right. But there's, there's always this idea of like, it's in service of something, right. It's in service of getting yourself out there, becoming more visible. And then that allows people to be more adaptable with what they're putting out there, right? It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, you can try a bunch of things that don't work and that's okay, right? Because your goal is to continually see what the different ways you can put these ideas out there. Are there any examples of like really great visibility that people have built for themselves that you've worked with? What are some of your favorite examples? Um, create a show. So take your, so um, I actually suggested this to a new grad. I think he was, um, he was like a finance major and I haven't seen the results of it per se, but I was like, why don't you create a show um, that's like ESPN style? You know, they have like play by pays, but, but make it all about finance, right? Finance isn't really my cup of tea, but it doesn't matter because I'm not your audience, right? You find your audience, but like, like, don't reinvent the wheel, use something that's already has a format and just tweak it, right? Some of the greatest artists in the world have stolen from other artists, mm -hmm. right? Miles Davis did it really well. I used to be a amateur jazz musician for a decade. Um, he would steal little licks, little musical phrases and pop them in his improv and it was brilliant. Um, so yeah, take other people's formats, create series of content. I think that's the biggest struggle people have because they're doing one-offs pieces of content. If you're gonna do something about um, being a graphic designer, um, instead of creating one post, I made this cool graphic design, people follow stories. And this is also from Gary, Gary Vee, uh, document your process. Um, instead of showing the end product, people, don't, people wanna see the beginning, the middle and the end the failures, like how you messed up, the behind the scenes, the profanity, like the long nights, whatever. That's a story as opposed to just the end product. So that can make for some really good content. And then how does this, um, how do you balance this with the mental health side of things? Um, because, you know, we see TikTokers all the time and uh, Instagrammers and different things like that. And you look at the stats and, you know, we just had the Facebook whistleblower talking about mental health in the online social space. Right. And one of the things that is constantly coming out around that is the rates of suicide are higher. 
the rates of depression are higher, the rates of anxiety are higher for folks who are, who are building these kinds of content-based brands around themselves, personal brands around themselves. And it's, you know, it's something that I come from the marketing branding world, but I'm also really interested in stoicism, which is kind of like the opposite of all that. And so it's kind of funny to see this, you know, push and pull between the two sides. Um, And maybe part of it is like, when your content is too wrapped up in your identity, and this is also a problem when your job is too wrapped up in your identity, you kind of can't separate it. And then anything that goes wrong is a real hit to your mental wellness, right? Um, If this is your dream job and if you don't get it, you're going to be depressed. Of course, it's going to be pretty hard to keep going to the next interview and the next interview, right? But if you have this like separation of like, I'm a person over here, here's the skills and the services I provide to companies. And if they turn down me, quote unquote, they're actually just turning down my services, not, not me as a person you can create these sort of boundaries and barriers around yourself. And maybe we need to do that with the content too, because I do see, you know, when I'm working with folks, um, especially folks with disabilities, there's, there tends to be a heightened level of reaction to being on social media and how that can sort of erode their, maybe they get hyper-focused or they get like overly, um, uh, obsessive about the way that they're doing things and don't take healthy breaks or don't have a healthy uh, relationship with LinkedIn or, or, you know, Twitter or whatever it might be. How have you seen this content creation process impact mental health with your clients? And what are some of the things that folks should start thinking about before they make content in order to do it in a healthy way that is sustainable so they don't burn out? That's a great question. Um, And, and, it's so funny because I'm I'm tapping back into my like I'm putting on my special education teacher hat um, because I'm pulling terms right from my experience as a as a sped teacher. So one thing that I found that worked um, with the current client I'm working with um, it's called an interest inventory. Um, basically, you're you're targeting their their likes and their dislikes, their strengths, their weaknesses, and you're pulling from that their their strengths and their likes so you can use that as a as a nucleus for them to create content right i'm not focusing on all the stuff that they hate i'm focusing focusing on the positive so one of my current clients is is using ducks right um because i guess that's big in the software engineering world like software engineers have like little literally rubber duckies at their desk don't even ask (laughs) Um, but it's like a thing. It's like a, it, in the, the software engineering world. So he's literally pushing out content, creating his brand with the use of like every day. It's, and he's super talented. Um, every day is like a different duck. And he's putting in like software engineering jargon. And then he's like, do you need help with this X, Y, and Z programming language? Call so-and-so, right? So he's creating a shtick for himself, a niche. Um, and the beauty of it is he's found a way to replicate it. He's not just doing, he's understood that like, okay, I have to create like series of posts, right? I got to push out my rent. He doesn't like, he actually, he doesn't like social media, but he likes the process of, because he's found something that he likes, right? It's not just about coding, coding, coding. Um, he gets to like, bring out his personality. 
love that. And you can't yeah. do that on, and, and that's what I keep telling people. You can't do that on a resume. You can't bring out your colorful personality on your resume. You can't push your daily hustle on a resume. You know, like you're like what you do day in, day out. You can't just do it with bullet points. We interrupt today's episode to let you know about Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. Each month as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions, and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum. Want to take your search to the next level? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you. Now back to our show. And it also shows the evolving story, right? This happens with side hustles too. Someone will build a side hustle. They'll have built it like seven months ago and they'll still be talking about that seven-month-old side hustle and they won't have added anything new to their process. And this is kind of to your point of like creating a series, creating um, something that builds on itself, because then you can keep referencing it in the present tense, rather than I did this thing six months ago, you're saying, I've been doing this thing for six months, and here's the most recent iteration. Uh, This was actually something back when I was uh, in the marketing and advertising world, I was doing these monthly events, uh, these networking events where... Uh, we sort of flipped the the format instead of, um, you know, like 40 minutes of someone speaking and then just a little bit of chatting at the end, we flipped it. It was 10 minutes of a speaker who to introduce a topic. And then the rest of the event is people talking with prompts and questions to, to instigate conversations. And one of the fun parts about doing that was I was actually in a job search at the time. I was like three, four months into the job search. And every interview that I went on, I would go in and they would say, well, what's this thing on your resume? And I was like, oh, that's this networking series that I've been doing um, where I sort of flipped the script and I told the whole story. And they were like, well, we don't care about your last job. Tell us about this thing, this current thing that you're working on, right? There you go. And so it brings it into the present day. Whereas like most job seekers, they're like, their job is just getting further and further in the, their previous job is getting further in the rear view or, you know, the last thing they created is just kind of becoming a stale story that they are tired of talking about and putting yourself in these positions where you're just always staying relevant, always forcing yourself to be active. It, it eliminates these gaps. It eliminates these, uh, these worries. And it, it really kind of helps keep you engaged in the long run. Right. And I, and I think it's so important that you're encouraging people to lean into their interests too, because if you just say like, well, right now podcasts are popular, so I'm going to go make a podcast, but you don't like doing it. It's going to be a heck of a hurdle to jump. Right. Um, I'm curious for you, what have been some of your like tests along the way? Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, go on offense and really put yourself out there and it's a marathon, not a race. And if it's going to be a marathon, there's going to be some things that don't work out. Are there any things that you, you know, tried in the past that like didn't pan out? Um, and what were, what were some of the, you know, false starts maybe, uh, along the road to where you're at today? Oh my God. I, I lost count. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, from Instagram to Facebook, 
I think I have a TikTok account. I know I should start using it. <laughs> right. um, um, just, I mean, LinkedIn post, uh, I think just realizing the different ways to use LinkedIn and, uh, to create content um, between, I mean, I found that the, the most effective posts uh, have been written, just straight up written posts. Um, nothing fancy, no hashtags, just um, skipping lines is helpful um, for a content creator and a job seeker. Simple reason, nobody wants to read a paragraph, right? Skip lines, it, it looks, it's easier on the eyes. Um, and that goes for hiring managers too. Nobody wants to read a paragraph in the comments, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, so I mean, I've definitely like messed up on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I don't know the tricks of the trade on how to do it or whatever, but I know how to push out content based on my strengths, you know, like my, my hustle, um, the disability world. I'm always engaging on um, other companies' posts, company pages, you know, decision makers in the disability world, because I know, and this goes for every job seeker, go to company pages, um, go to the people section. It's a top-down approach, CEO, all the way down to whoever, admin assistant. And you can go into their profiles. Most of them are public. See who's been engaging lately or um, who's been posting lately and go into their comp, like an interesting, relevant post and add your value. Because if you have 746 people that like to post, they will see your comment. And most of them are decision-making entities. Right. So like treat like let LinkedIn do the work for you. Right. Let let LinkedIn do the advertising for you. Um it's it's just so fascinating. Like, especially right now, a large percentage of the world is on LinkedIn. Um, the organic reach is ridiculous right now. <laughs> uh you just gotta take advantage of it, you know. Um get, get be crafty. If you like cooking and you're in IT create a cooking show and talk about IT while you're cooking. Why not? There's no boundaries, you know, yeah, and, and that's, and... Go, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and people, you get people won't remember the, the things you screw up. Like I did a comic strip. I actually hired an artist and did a comic strip called uh, business casual comics with this chameleon going through weird work situations. And I would write these poems and she would create these, these drawings and, um, I put it out there for like half of the pandemic because I just needed a creative outlet. And then as I was doing it, I was like, okay, this isn't really in alignment with what I'm trying to do with career therapy. So I sort of separated it out and eventually um, wound it down. And some people will still mention like, hey, whatever happened to those chameleons? Um, but other people, you know, have no idea that it ever existed. And and that's fine, like, because it's part of the journey towards what works for me, right? And so, um, and it actually just sparked like my own little hobby in my own life that I don't need to necessarily make my job, but I enjoy drawing these chameleons now. Um, and so there's so much that comes out of this stuff. And, and I guess one of the questions, um, I love how you said, let LinkedIn do the work for you, right? But in order for LinkedIn to do the work for us, we need to put the effort in for it to see us, to, to share us, right? Um, and so I like that you're talking about commenting on people's posts and connecting with these decision makers, being visible, and then being visible in a way that's like, 
grateful to them, right? Like, thank you for writing this. Thank you for sharing this. Like the easiest thing you could do is just go thank someone for writing an article and you'll show up in their post and they'll know who you are. And then it'll show you to people in their network and so on. Um, but you know, the more you do, the better it works. And, um, one of the things I'm so curious about is how much time should people be allocating to this in your mind? Uh, when it comes to the job search, right? There's online applications, there's networking, there's in-person events, there's content creation, there's uh, interviews that you have to prep for, there's skills you have to keep current, there's a personal brand you probably have to build, there's projects you should work on and side hustles you should think about. How much time should be allocated to this um, in your mind and, and what are some of the considerations people should, uh, may, maybe considerations they should have and then, or how should they just sort of break out their search between all these different areas that they need to focus on? Oh man, such a loaded question. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the first thing I would say is um, create some sort of visual um, for all the things that you, you're gonna do because otherwise it just gets convoluted and crazy. Um, so do like a, you know, a social calendar. I do it on my phone. You know, I use like the Google calendar or whatever. Um, but segment it, out, segment it out. So, you know, you can do it by the hour if you want, but, but segment your time. So whether it's networking, targeting decision makers, content creation, do it in chunks, right? Because it, it kind of keeps your sanity as opposed to just like throwing darts at the wall. In terms of how long, I can't really tell you that. Um, searching for a job is a full-time job. A hundred percent, but like take breaks, you know, like leave your computer. Um, I get some of my best ideas when I'm not looking at a screen, when I'm in the shower, when I'm driving, um, it just like clear your mind, right? Like definitely get fresh air, like I mentioned, um, it helps stimulate your brain. When you're, when you're thinking of ideas, go old school, use a pen and paper, um, it just, I don't know, it helps with the creative flow. Um, yeah, those are just some of the things. I, like you definitely, I think it goes back to like everybody learns differently. It's like mm. metacognition, learning how to learn. Um, so if you're a visual person, you know, write it down. You have to see it. Um, if you want to record your notes, like do voice memos, right? So you can go back and it'll trigger things. Um you know, there's tactile kinesthetic. If you have to like physically grasp things, write them out, place things around the house, um, post-its, that's tactile. Um, you, you have to find what works for you, right? Because if you're a visual learner and I'm saying do voice memos, that's not going to work. <laughs> right, right. Right. So I think doing an interest inventory, you know, of your strengths, weaknesses um, is very important. And then when it comes to... Um actually talking about disabilities. Um, if someone wants to go down that road and be vulnerable and share those things, are there certain things that they should keep in mind? Because there's, there is still a lot of bias in the world, right? There are things that people will, um, you know, I, I remember when I first started talking about my anxiety, everyone in my family was like, what are you doing? Like, don't do that. You don't talk about those things. Right. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, well, 
it helps my anxiety to talk about it. And then after, you know, sometimes you overshare and then you have to pull it back. Right. And you're like, Oh, maybe, maybe don't talk about it all the time. And every conversation <laughs> has to be about this. Right. And then bring in some of these other things. So like, what are some of the tips and, and ideas that you have around like vulnerability and, and how much, how much the focus should be on like technical things about the work, personal things, and then like the level to which you put yourself out there online? Great question. Um, well, first off, like, I think at the end of the day, employers, all I care about is, can you get the job done? Mm. Right. A disability, when you disclose that, in my opinion, I'm not saying this is right across the board because plenty of people would disagree. Um, when you disclose your disability, you want to, you're doing it because you want to receive an accommodation or a modification to like level the playing field to get the job done. You, I mean, that's, someone wants to hire you. Great. I need X, Y, and Z because of my disability. Um, and I think actually anxiety is, is a disability. It's in the DSM four. Um, so it's really just to level the playing field, right? It's not, you're not asking for extra um, special privileges or whatever. It's just, you're, you're asking for accommodation because this is how I function to the best of my ability. Um, you gotta be an advocate for yourself. You have to be an advocate. Um, you do have certain procedural safeguards when you do disclose your disability, um, that HR needs to acknowledge or whoever the, the, that body is. Um, and everybody needs to recognize it because they, like everyone has to be on board. There has to be buy-in, right? How can we help? Like, how can we support that? Blah, blah, blah. So you have to like be an advocate for yourself. Um, I think self-awareness is huge. I'm not about to say that I've always been self-aware. Um, I had a lot of struggles just learning about how I learn, mm -hmm. um, having a learning disability. Um, I figured out ways to, to aid my own memory retrieval since I was 10 years old. Um, I use short melodies as a tool to remember everything. Um, I would take the syncopation in a sentence and convert it into the, or the syllables in a sentence and convert it into the syncopation in a song. And I've been doing it for 27 years because that's how I learn. That's my process. Um, so a lot of times your, your disability is, it's a gift. Um, I've gotten plenty of flack for that too. Um, because you're not only doing something to help yourself, you could be doing something to help a lot of other people that have something, whether it's visible or not. Um, and you could be helping someone, right? So it's really important, I think, again, self-awareness, like understand your weaknesses and your strengths, but you, you got to advocate for yourself. And for folks who are, um maybe spiraling right now, right? Um, who are in maybe a darker place because they're not getting results in their job search. They're not seeing the traction that they hope to see. And, and maybe they're trying to put themselves out there, but it's just in their mind, not working. What would you say, like what advice would you give them to get to a more neutral place? That's, that's a big thing that I try and think about is like, I don't think I'm gonna get people to fall in love with the job search necessarily but I'd like to help them get to a place where they're neutral about it rather than like angry about it. Right. 
Um, so if someone's in a really dark place, right, maybe the first step isn't go create content because then they'll create angry content and that's never a good brand to put out there. Right. Um, so what are some of the things that they could do to get to a better place before, you know, stepping on that content, um, pedal? Um, well, don't start with the computer. Don't start with the internet. Uh, cause yeah, you meant angry content for sure. I've seen plenty of colorful posts. Um, start with a, go old school. Like I said before, start with a pen and paper um, and just do like a brainstorm, right? Of all your skill sets, right? I mean, it's essentially, a lot of it is what's already on your resume, but I find that when you write it out, it's a much better brainstorming process. Um, it gets the creative juices flowing versus just typing, you know? Um, and then you can go from there and like, I like branch things out like, oh, social media. Oh, I could do this post. I could do that. Oh, I'm going to start creating. It just, I feel like using a pen and paper um, helps the, the creative job seeking process versus just staring at a screen. Start with that. I would, I would say that and start with that. I love it. And also just, just kind of understanding the landscape of social media right now, you know, there's an infinite number of ways to start creating. And, and I think the urge typically, you know, if you watch too much Gary Vaynerchuk or something, you'll, the urge will be to be on every platform and I'm going to go make TikToks. And I mean, each platform has like 20 different ways to create content, right? So Instagram has reels and has posts and has, you know, the short videos and everything. And then YouTube has like reels now in a way and then uh these like short form videos and then uh linkedin has polls and all these different things which by the way polls work really well right now that's huge organic if anyone wants to use that um but there's so many different ways to engage in each one of these platforms so it's not just oh i'm on three platforms it's you're on three platforms creating five different kinds of content for each platform so it really becomes exponential um would you pe just like recommend everyone start on LinkedIn when it comes to like putting your content out there, especially for the job search or, you know, what are some of the different places that they should think about? Should they go for multiple sites? Should they stick to one? What are your thoughts? Great question. Um, st start with LinkedIn, right? Um, I'm not saying all the ones are not good. I just feel like as a job seeker, not a content creator, not a side hustle, not a small business, um, I feel like the majority of employers, hiring managers, talent acquisition, HR, they're, they're hunting on LinkedIn. They are on the hunt. I mean, most of them like, you know, goes through a job board, resumes, blah, blah, blah. But like they seek out employees. If they don't know their name, they don't have the resume. They're, they're hunting for keywords. So that's how they find you. The more you put like, so you're, you're, um, your profile pops up if you have those keywords. Your piece of content comes up if you have those keywords. So it's like a game of tag, right? They're trying to find you. You're trying to find them. So you, you got to like play the game. Um, and I think LinkedIn is the most professional platform. Um, I think LinkedIn, Instagram, there's a lot of garbage, digital garbage. Um, so I think it's the most, the cleanest professional platform to start is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I'm even learning as I go through my content creation journey is uh, there's a lot of cringy stuff out there. 
And there's a lot of ideas that we'll get of like, oh my gosh, I never want to do that kind of stuff. And I think it's good to listen to those sort of markers in our mind when they come up. Um, But we also have to balance that out with the idea that like everything has already sort of been said before at some point. So like being original is kind of a, a, a goal too, too high, right? Like even family guy is not original, right? There's, there's plenty of stuff that is um, inspired by, and I like what you said earlier about the blues licks, right? Um, or the jazz licks. Cause it's like, you've got to sort of find what you like online and then pull from that and keep building, right? Even if it doesn't get the most traction right off the bat. And sometimes people get into this like cycle of like, I'm going to create content about how I create content to teach you how to create content. It kind of becomes very meta. And, uh, and, and that's like a meta trap that people can get into. Um, Are there any other pitfalls that you've seen of like people as they get started, like ways that they get stuck or ways that they get kind of like eye rolly or things like that, things to avoid? Yep. Um, People don't respond to their own posts or they don't engage on other posts. They just plant their seeds and leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, yeah, don't stay, sit in front of the computer all day, but like, if you're getting responses, that means you're getting notified. So that means you have an obligation to respond, um, especially if you're a job seeker, like you wanna keep the, keep the ball rolling. Um, that's the thing, beauty about content. It's not like a resume, you submit it, you get rejected, the ball stops. Content once you put it out there, you can be seen by dozens, hundreds, thousands of people based on keywords, right? You, I keep telling people, you can have zero people in your network. You can still get found by anyone in the world, but you have to engage. I think that's a great place to end. Um, Jacob, I know you're out there making content and putting out your ideas into the world. How can people interact with you, follow you, and uh, see what you got going on? Appreciate it. And I really appreciate the time, Martin. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn. um, I'm on Clubhouse. I'm on Instagram. My hashtag or my handle is searchable. It's search underscore able. Little play on words there. Love it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But feel free to connect with me. Um, I do have a free PDF job seeker cheat sheet to anyone that's interested. Um, It basically touches on a lot of the stuff we discussed today with keywords. Love it. Jacob, thank you for joining us today. I hope everyone goes and checks out your work. And, uh, you know, until the next time we chat, I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. I really appreciate your support of what we're building here at Career Therapy as we continue to try and explore the hidden side of modern work and tell some of the stories that maybe don't get enough light shed on them. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, I hope you will leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Subscribe to this wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, Spotify, etc. And uh, share this with some friends who you know are going through similar experiences and looking to build their career and, and gain some insights along the way. Again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I wish you the best. I'll see you on the next episode.